You know what really makes us mad is wasting money on CDs with only one or two good songs. Yeah. Tell them about punk. What's up, posers? Welcome to Punk Lotto Pod. I am your co-host, Justin Hensley. And I am your other co-host, Dylan Hensley. And today we're joined by Anne Lepore of The Machine Shop. She runs a web store that features tons of music and merchandise for punk artists. We've had her on the show multiple times in the past. She's one of our favorite guests to bring on. And uh, today we're doing something a little different. I feel like we say that every week. Yeah, we are doing a gimmick. Yeah. A gimmick that has been long in the works. Yeah. It's it's pretty different. I would say this is one of the bigger departures. Yeah. Uh, on our show. But it works. I describe it in the episode, so I'll I'll save that for that for you when when you get to that point, but yeah, this is something we've been talking about for a long time doing and we've hinted at for a very long time on the Patreon if you're if you've been paying attention over there. Speaking of the Patreon, if you head over there for one dollar, you get access to all of our bonus audio. That's patreon.com slash punk lot of pod. And uh, we're trying out another new gimmick over there. So uh, if you like us when we try weird ideas, might as well go over there because that's where you get the first taste of it. Usually. Yeah, we'll see if that one makes the jump to main episode. Yeah, I don't know that that one ever will go main episode. I like the idea of it. But yeah, it, it's it's just out there enough that uh, <laughs> I don't even really want to give it away even yeah. like you'll, at this point. You'll so. see when we get when you listen to it, why why it probably wouldn't work. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we have all the other social medias as well. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter or at Punk Lotto Pod and all that stuff. Uh, voicemail is 202-688-PUNK and email address is punklottopod at gmail.com. Punkladapod.substack.com. And I think that's all the things. But yeah, save us some time. Just dive right into the episode and uh, enjoy this fun, gimmicky episode. So we are joined here by our good friend, Anne Lepore. Anne, how's it going? Hello. It is going really well. <laughs> <laughs> this is your second appearance this year? It's very exciting. I The last one was uh, really fun, different. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you filled in while Dylan was uh, moving to L.A. Yeah, we did miss you, Dylan, I have to say. <laughs> was, there was definitely, I could feel your absence. So. <laughs> I hope I did an okay job. Yeah, you did a great job. Uh, <laughs> and I, we appreciate you filling in his shoes. Yeah. Everyone who I talked to who listened to that one really, like, dug it. And they said they, like, it, like, turned them on to Catbite. Like, they had never... Yeah heard them before especially like even philly people and i was like they're you know they're from philly come on have you been able to see them yet or is this no no not yet no and i think they're playing tonight oh wow (laughs) but it's just not gonna work out for me but i'll still i mean i'll see them eventually they're they're gonna be in philly plenty oh yeah yeah they just played fest and that was like there was like a huge like ska set uh, one of the days of fest and i was like i wish i was there just for this alone (laughs) Yeah. Uh, for those unfamiliar, if this is the first time you're hearing 
and on the show. Uh, why don't you tell people about the machine shop? Sure. I have a website called the it's called the machine shop. The the machine shop rocks dot com is actually the website name. And it is a place where people go to buy records and CDs and T-shirts and art from lots of my favorite bands and my friends. And um, Kepi Gooley is like my flagship artist. And I have lots of like oh, probably over 100 artists represented that I sell stuff for. So it's it's kind of a distro and it's kind of like a personal web store um, place for different artists. So it's a little blend of both and it's really fun and I love to do it and I love to sell music by people whose music I like. <laughs> yeah, it's a great collection of artists that you've got over there. Really fun batch of musicians. Christmas is coming up, so you know, get get some ideas. Go ahead on over there. <laughs> yeah, and I have some a bunch of new things uh, I just recently acquired that will be going on to the site in the next like couple of weeks. Stuff that I've never had on there, bands I've never had over there. Um, I have some some stuff from like some older stuff, but that's no, it's hard to find anywhere else. Like ha- the band Houseboat. Um, I got oh, yeah. some stuff from them, and um, just a bunch of new things. Yeah. Head over there. I'll make sure to put a link to that in the show notes, too. Well, cool. We're doing something a little different this week. Listeners on the Patreon might recognize this gimmick from one we've done before. But for those unfamiliar, we're going to play a, a round of best, worst, over, under. And I guess I might have to explain the whole concept to people because... I've told people about this and no one knows what it is usually whenever I bring it up. So this is an old message board game that I used to see in a couple places where you would pick an artist and then you would choose which record you thought was their best, their worst, their most overrated and their most underrated. And it was just a really fun source of conversation about whatever artists you you know were listening to at the time. And it was always cool to see other people's opinions on what you selected or how they differed to yours your selections so i thought it'd be a really good idea for a podcast yeah i think that the the selections that you have to make the categories that you have to fill offers a different perspective on an artist's discography over rather than just like a ranking or being like top three you know or anything like that you you have to say like this is, I think, objectively their worst record or, you know, I mean, not objectively, obviously it's all subjective, but yeah. Yeah. We had fun doing it, uh, on the Patreon. Um, so if you want to hear the rough version of that, uh, go check it out there. I think we did, we did a test run on that so that we could see that it could work as a podcast. Mm -hmm. So this one has been in the works for a long time, actually. (laughs) And we pitched it to three people originally and and you were one of the first one of the people we pitched it to we haven't done the other two yet so we'll we'll get some angry emails from them later yeah. i'm sure but <laughs> we have two more discographies to get through <laughs> but uh yeah i think this will be a pretty fun conversation um so we basically gave we pitched the idea of the show the episode to you and you selected Susie and the banshees as your band to talk about so I guess before we get into what we've chosen for each category, what made you choose Susie and the Banshees? 
so that's a really great question. I I felt that I I thought a lot about like who am I gonna pick and thinking about all the bands I like. You know, I wanted to do somebody that I liked. Um, and I felt that there were two great reasons to talk about Susie and the Banshees uh, for this podcast. One was that they didn't have too many albums. You know, like you know you can't like I don't know Elvis Costello was like you know. 20 something albums or you know somebody you know has like a million albums uh, you know they had to stop somewhere and I didn't want to pick a band that had too few albums so I felt like this Susie and the Banshees had like a really good number of studio LPs for us to discuss and you know we could go off topic a little and discuss some of the other things the other live stuff um, and singles collections too but that felt like a good neat amount of albums to discuss the other really big reason I wanted to talk about them is because they changed over the years and I felt that that would make for a good conversation from first album to last album as opposed to a band who was like pretty similar like their whole career that maybe would have been a little boring so um so they they and and their fans changed too and you know people you know some people like x some people like y some people like it all so i thought that that would make for a good conversation yeah i can kind of I can kind of like take one of the questions I usually ask for a regular episode and kind of spin it towards this before deep diving on the Banshees discography. Dylan, what was your prior feelings or experiences with the band? They were a band that I've known about for a long time. They've always been held up as like a really significant artist in like in a lot of alternative worlds and have had a lot of influence on a lot of different directions that punk and alternative music have gone in so they've, they've always been a band that i'm like that's a really important band that i really need to know more about that i haven't really spent the time with so i've only really ever heard a few of their records maybe like from beginning to end and then otherwise was just kind of like aware of some of their sonic changes over their discography like how they changed throughout from the, you know from their first record towards the end uh, of the 80s at least so yeah you know tangentially aware of them probably more familiar with them than like the average person but by no means like a real fan of the band yet yeah i'm kind of similar lane like they definitely were a band that i was fully aware of and i knew their cultural significance like for sure being involved in the uk punk scene early on and, you know, which I'll talk about that in a little bit, too. But um, so like I'd, I'd listened to a couple albums before we decided to do this. So I was already familiar with a few of them, but I hadn't listened to a, a majority of these yet. So that was one of the things that I think took us so long to really get going on this is, yes, there are 11 studio albums. And I wanna, when did we start doing this? Was it like February, maybe or even before that? It was early this year. Yeah. February sounds right. We were ambitious. We thought yeah. we would we would be through their discography a little faster. Um, <laughs> things got in the way, I think. But Yeah. But uh, yeah, it took a little bit of time. I think it actually setting kind of like a deadline made it easier to like, well, I'm just going to have to listen to it. So yeah. <laughs> I think it, it helped uh, motivate you to. Not that like the, it was hard to listen to these records. It's just like 
finding time and making sure you don't like listen to it in a way that like you don't want to listen to back to back to back records because then you get kind of blind to whatever's happening different in the records. So it took a little bit yeah. of time. And I yeah. think, too, you want to give it like time, just not like background listening. Like you have mm-hmm. to like make the say like I'm actually paying attention to this. So like whatever I'm doing, I, you know, need to actually say, OK, I'm giving an hour of my time to just this. Yeah. Yeah, because you definitely want to be able to speak on the records and feel like I had to re-listen to a few to like kind of re-solidify my stance on it, or at least like sample a couple too that like I was like, am I sure this one doesn't fit here? But and yeah, so like it takes a little bit of fine tuning, but it's a podcast. You know, we could change our minds next week and decide that oh, I would I think this record's better. <laughs> so you know, it's something fun for a podcast. So. Before we get into that, I've got some background, a little bit of a brief overview of the Susie and the Banshees history, That, in case anyone is unfamiliar. So they formed in London, England in 1976. The band started with Susie Sue and Stephen Severin. They originally met at a Roxy Music show in England and then later became fans of the Sex Pistols and were part of the Bromley Contingent which were the group of fans and people who kind of like hung around the Sex Pistols when they were blowing up. Most famously, the Bromley contingent was, some of them were part of that interview with Bill Grundy on the BBC, where uh, Steve Jones said a lot of swear words on the the TV in the morning. I think that that was the big brouhaha, was that it was uh, so early in the day that that those words were being used. (laughs) But uh, Susie was actually one of the people in the studio, and I can't remember. I read what she had. She actually said something to Bill Grundy. Uh, yeah, I had it. she called him like a dirty something, you know, like like that. He was like a lech or something. Yeah. In that category. Yeah. So it, she acts that sort of became famous just by just association of the pistols before the band was even a thing yet. So. Uh, the original lineup basically started because the Sex Pistols were supposed to play a show and they had to drop for whatever reason. And so Susie and Steven were like, let's start a band. So the original lineup for that live show included Sid Vicious, as well as Marco Peroni, who would later join Adam and the Ants. The set was 20 minutes long. It was full an improvisation of the Lord's Prayer. And uh, it's because they weren't actually a band. (laughs) They didn't have any songs. (laughs) So uh, they decided to become a real lineup, a real band later. Uh, So they wound up recruiting Kenny Morris as their drummer and Peter Fenton as their guitarist. Uh, That lineup never actually recorded anything. Peter was replaced because he was a true guitar player. That's how they described it. He was replaced with John McKay. And this is the lineup that recorded the first batch of singles and the first two albums. Uh, over time, there will be a lot of rotation in the lineup, but Susie and Steven are the lone mainstays from beginning to end of the band. They did later add the Slits drummer, Budgie, to the group, who he later married Susie, and he stayed with the band until their breakup in 96. Other guitarists would come and go, including John, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, McJock, maybe? McGooch is how I say it, like McGooch. McGooch, yeah. Could I don't be. know if that's right, but that's how I've been <laughs> saying it all my life. Magoo, yeah. Magoo. <laughs> he uh, played in magazine before this. 
Robert Smith of The Cure was briefly in the band, and uh, as well as a couple other Johns, John Valentine Carruthers and John Klein, as well as Knox Chandler, who was at the very end of the band. They would release 11 albums over their 20 years. Uh, they Every record was released on Polydor or some sub-label of it, and uh, it wasn't until the label dropped them that they actually broke up. So they did reunite in 2002 for the seven-year itch tour, but that's pretty much been it for them. So that's a brief overview on the band. That's just more of the... There's definitely way more to their story, of course, and all the things that they did, but that's kind of just the... Here's who was in it for this time period. So we decided to make a little bit of a change to our original Patreon version of this. In that one, we each you know, chose our best, our favorite or best and talked about it and then took turns, you know, naming them. But I think Anne suggested that we should just try and we should all say our best and then we'll have a conversation about what we chose and why we chose them. So. And since it was your idea, <laughs> what do you think is the best Susie and the Banshees album? I think that the best album is Juju. I'll go next and say that I think Juju is the best album. <laughs> what do you say, Dylan? I'm going to be a little different, and I'm going to say Kiss in the Dream House is their best. Beginning voices and spinning You have no want to go first and and kind of lay out why you selected juju uh why don't you go first I, okay. I i'd like to hear what you have to say and then i will add my couple of cents <laughs> yeah. uh juju is the fourth full-length album released in 1981 i think going into this episode actually even going into this entire like concept before i listened to the rest of the discography i was pretty sure i was going to pick juju as my favorite it's the one I think I started with because it is considered it's like one of the most critically acclaimed records in their discography. It's kind of like the fan favorite, too. And then it kind of represents this. I think it represents their best period as a band. This lineup is the John McGooch lineup. And Budgie has joined at this point. Uh, they release three albums or 
yeah, three albums together. This was the Kaleidoscope, Juju, and A Kiss in the Dreamhouse run. I definitely, yeah, I was most familiar with this beforehand. I, I think it has the best batch of songs. It's kind of a blend of the more pop aspects of the group with their darker goth and kind of like post-punk elements in there too. I feel like it was just a really big stepping stone too in what the rest of their discography would later sound like. Because even though Kaleidoscope came before that one, this one, it I'd say it probably has more in common with the first two records than Juju. It feels more like a post-punk record, whereas this one feels a lot more cinematic, I guess. I don't know. Or gothic, for sure. Uh, more, I don't know. I can't think of the word, but yeah, that's where I'll go with cinematic is the word I'll use. But yeah. Or dramatic. Yeah, yeah, yeah dramatic. Yeah. But yeah, that's the, that's the main reason why I went with this one. What do you think, Ian? Well... So I did a previous deep dive into Susie um, when I was filling out my top 25 Susie and the Banshee songs for Slicing Up Eyeballs a few years ago. I think it was in like 2018. I take these things very seriously. <laughs> these top 25s, I've, they've, they've done it for like The Cure and New Order and a bunch of other bands. So um, so I spent a lot of time making decisions about like what's what are my favorite things. And before I did that, I I thought my favorite, my number one uh, was the scream. And then when I did the the deep dive and and now when I just did it again, I kind of I re um, I solidified again that Juju was my number one. It, although the scream if if I was going to have a runner-up, the scream would be my runner-up. I don't think that's giving away too much. <laughs> um, so um, the first thing, the first reason I knew Juju was my number one is because on my top 25, Juju has the most songs. <laughs> so, um, you know, there's like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of my top 25 came from Juju. And like I said, I spent a lot of time making this list. So like, I know that this is like definitely my feelings. Um, but I was actually surprised at the time when this happens because I didn't remember that Juju was so great. Like for some reason, like in my mind, I hadn't ever like placed it in that position. And I doing this um, for the podcast, I didn't realize that Juju is the most acclaimed album by them. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. I never reading like the rank your, you know, rank the Susie, um, all those different articles and websites. It it regularly came in as the the number one, and and that surprised me so much because I am so rarely um, in sync with what everyone else thinks. Yeah. <laughs> so that was quite a surprise. So I guess I'm I'm very pedestrian when it comes to my Susie <laughs> the Banshees um, love, but. Um, so why do I love it? I don't know. It's hard. It's, you know, it's hard to ever answer those questions, but it's just the solidly from beginning to end. Great for me. I, I think there's no sludge. It doesn't have any song that I would say that should have been cut. Um, it's punk, but it's post punk, but it's goth, but it's, it's still punk. And punk people who love suit the punk rock version of Susie and the Banshees, you know, whatever that means, still like this album. And, you know, things start to tip after this, I think, for those people who are like super purists. Um, but, 
yeah, this is they they they've managed to kind of like peak, I think, with this one, with just like hitting the songwriting, the music, just everything about it is great. Uh, Dylan, so you you're kind of the the unpopular opinion. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'm that. the I'm the divergent take. Yeah, yeah. In in the <laughs> in this one, in this category, it's really, really, honestly, so hard to pick. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. Susie have Susie and the Banshees have uh, probably like four or five records, honestly, that I that could have competed for this one. Mm-hmm. For this spot, just because, especially that that period from Kaleidoscope, uh, Juju, and A Kiss in the Dream House, those records are all really great in different, slightly different ways, but all have a lot of what makes Susie and the Banshee are. They really all all have a lot of is that I just feel like it's the most consistent all the way through. I felt like the listening experience compared to uh, those other two records and anything else in their discography, it was just thoroughly enjoyable. I think that it starts off great. I think that it has a great start to the B side. I think that it ends on a great song. I can see where they came from on this record. It still retains enough of what they were doing on their previous records. I mean, even going back to the scream, which I think is a great record too. And, you know, could have been a contender for this spot. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I think it's just a, it's just consistent. I think that's the biggest thing. It doesn't have, I think the, I think maybe the one real knock against it is I feel like it maybe doesn't have like a single, like that one single, but at the same time, I think that if it had that one great single, then it wouldn't be as consistent of a record overall so yeah yeah i mean it's definitely one of the best well regarded like listening to them it's in my top at least the top half i don't know the exact like ranking i would put it in well maybe i may have written that down here at the bottom of this yeah it's in my top i have it like ranked pretty high i don't want to give away maybe (laughs) what else i have above it but um and if you look at rate your music it's it's pretty well regarded right yeah, um, it's, it's got it's, uh they if you sort it by the average rating, it falls third. So like yeah. it's it's definitely very well regarded. It's more listened to than uh, the second ranked one there, Tinderbox, but uh yeah. And this record has a lot in common with Tinderbox for me. Um Tinderbox is another one I could have I really strongly considered for this spot. Um and I think that's like that record a Kiss in the Dream House, Juju especially, um, all three of those are very cinematic. That's a really good way to describe their best records. They just have they just have this kind of scope to them. Like yeah. it's 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 really um, kind of wide angle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it's probably got one of my favorite album covers too. Like it's got that Klimt uh, uh, style to it. Yeah, I had that. I had a poster of that um, album in my college dorm room. Yeah, it's a great album cover. I'd probably say it's the best album cover, maybe. Um, It's an interesting record. Go ahead. That's good. What? No, that's all I have. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's definitely an interesting album. Between those those three records with John McGooch on there, it's 
it's probably the most out there of the three, I think. But still great. Like, just really a fantastic record. And that might be part of what appeals to me, too, is I do really like Susie when they're really adventurous mm-hmm. and and maybe reaching. And I think that this is one of those records where they like where they swung and they made a home run like mm-hmm. it was it was a big stretch on some of this stuff and it lands perfectly for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Um, It's funny. Like we both picked Juju and it's kind of like almost harder to talk about because it is so well regarded and like popular that it's kind of like <laughs> I don't I don't feel like it's challenging really for a lot of people right. to, to be like yeah obviously you know like that kind of thing so I think yeah. you're you're slightly off the beaten path favorite record still well regarded but you know um yeah I mean I, I just think Juju has the more standout songs I think that's why I went with that one like it's definitely got ugh, that A side is like perfect and the B-side is great, too, but, like, tracks like Spellbound and Halloween and Arabian Nights and, ah, I just love all those, all those together in a row. Yeah, Halloween is, like, probably in, like, my top five songs, mm-hmm. of, you know, for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But there's a, there are a few songs from A Kiss in the Dream House on my top 25 list, so, you know. Yeah, that one's harder. I feel like it's harder to pick the songs out of it, I guess. Like, that one feels more like a one piece of you know art like it should be listened to in one sitting versus like picking some tracks out of it because i think a lot of maybe even compared to like the rest of the discography that's probably the one you you have to kind of like keep it in the album context the most because i feel like some of the other ones can pull out more just like one or two songs here and there yeah it definitely is like atmospheric like you want Mm -hmm. to stay with it yeah i mean i i skimmed all of the ones that i was considering for this slot and i definitely did notice peaks kind of in the track listing as i kind of skipped through them but there were like there were some songs where it was like maybe it starts off i'm like i don't know and then and then like maybe the verse kicks in or like i skipped to the chorus and it was like oh there it is that's the that's the part of the song (laughs) yeah I definitely did that, too, where, like, I skipped through most of the records. Like, I had an idea which ones I was going with, but I wanted to skip through a few more again to make sure, like, skim it just to make sure there's something I wasn't missing. But, yeah, definitely did that, too. Well, I don't think either of us who picked Juju would say that your choice of a kiss of the dream has a bad choice. So right. I, I am I am definitely not giving a thumbs down to your choice. <laughs> I, I support your choice fully. Yeah. We've we've got some other categories to hit that might reveal some questionable <laughs> opinions about Susie and the Banshee. I'm really curious to see where those go. Like this is the one where I was like, I have a really good feeling. Like I'm pretty sure I knew what y'all were going to pick. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's it's the other categories where I'm like, I don't know. This could go a lot of directions. Yeah. It really is. The the other three categories are the ones that are the most like. I don't know, but yeah, best is definitely the one where it's just like, I have an idea, but uh, oh, cool. Um, should we switch over to the worst record? Sure. I don't want to go first on this one either, but I'll be happy <laughs> to go first on, on either of the other two. <laughs> I'll uh, go first on yeah. this one since I went last on the last one. I'm going to go. I'm going to go with join hands. Ooh. I am going to go with Join Hands as well. Oh. 
<laughs> wow. I am going with the rapture. When it comes to Susie, I, I guess I'm just like very pedestrian. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I remember we talked with you a long time ago about like just kind of the discography in general, I think. And I remember you saying like the later stuff is the stuff that you just you just didn't pay the most attention to. So I figured if you're going to pick a worst one, it would probably be from that that era. But uh, um, OK, Dylan, uh, what's your beef with join hands? <laughs> <laughs> um. <sighs> It's not the scream, and I think that it's trying to be the scream. Um, it's very much in the same mold of their kind of of their really raw early post punk sound, uh, and it really just lacks the songs at the end of the day for me. It it just doesn't have really. When I look at the track listing, I don't see any song that stands out to me. Um, now, if I you know, if I were to sample them right now, I would probably be able to pick out songs that I liked. But even then, I feel like those songs dragged a little bit. And I think that's one of the the biggest problems I have with, with it overall is that it's just kind of the pacing and the kind of overly drawn out songs here that don't that don't pay off in the way that some of the longer songs in their later discography do. Um, Yeah, I'd say... That's that's fair. Yeah, I, I mean, I chose that one as well. It's funny. I, I when I first picked it, I was kind of worried. I was like, is this going to be is this sacrilege to really say mm-hmm. like early materials the worst? And mm-hmm. uh, looking at like using the rate your music, if you sort it, it is in the bottom end. It is like one of the less liked Banshees album. So I don't think it's that hot of a take. Yeah, it's their second record. I guess you would classify this as a sophomore slump. Um and it was a pretty quick follow-up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, less than a year from the previous record, which The Scream, you know, I'm sure they had a little bit more time going into it. And I think also 
like the excitement of being a new band definitely plays into that first record. So, yeah, like I said at, at the top, just because I, I have this slotted as the what I think is the worst record, I don't think it's a bad album. Like, there's definitely a lot of really cool songs on this thing. I think ultimately it's missing some of the hooks that, like, I would say The Scream is definitely, like, you know, a pop-sensible record. But there's definitely, like, something to g- grab onto on that record. But this one, I, I didn't feel like I, I got as much out of it. I think some of the songs go on a little too long and they're a little bit more repetitive, which, you know, saying a Susie and the Banshee song is long is like, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but like they do enough different things on those other records that it feel it doesn't feel as long. Like some of these, it's just like, ooh, it's kind of dragging a little bit here. Yeah, it's just not my favorite. It's hard. It's hard to really it doesn't feel like it's pushing the boundaries as much as the later stuff does, or even the scream did. Uh, it kind of, yeah, it feels like it is trying to do the scream again, just missing some of that energy that made that one so special to me. But yeah, I'm, I'm curious uh, to hear. What do you think of our opinion on the on join hands? Um, I, 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 it's not, I would say it's not an easy album. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I don't it's not that much of a shock that you guys I no especially knowing that you do like more of the later stuff also um yeah join hands it makes sense that it would be your your pick and um it doesn't have any like stand out for like regular people <laughs> uh I am I am going to be talking about this album coming up um so i won't say too much more but um yeah it's it's probably you would call it their most difficult album (laughs) and i think uh anybody who really loves the the early stuff like can find enough on it Mm -hmm. to to uh get into but yeah it's it you're it's bookended by better albums it's followed but you know there's there's a lot you know, so yeah, I don't, I don't feel like your opinion is terrible. I'm not thumbing down your opinion, <laughs> um, but, um, but I do want to say this is probably not the right time to say this, so maybe we'll talk about it later. But you know, like a lot of my favorite songs of theirs are not on any album, so yeah. they, they were, a, they were a big time non-LP track releasing band. Yeah. So you know, some of the best songs don't aren't you know aren't really gonna get hit in any of this conversation so maybe like we could like briefly kind of hit that too um later but but yeah i understand uh, why you you guys would feel that way i'm sure you understand why i feel the way i do (laughs) that the rapture is the the my is the worst but again disclaimer it's not the worst album yeah uh you know i'm i'm not like oh this is the worst thing i ever heard absolutely not it's just when i listen to all their albums this is the one that i'm least interested in i have very rarely listened to it um from the you know when it came out it doesn't um i i find very little to like engage in as far as like what susie and the banshees means to me um and even you know it's it's like a 
so far away from the first album. If you know you're looking at it's their last album. Um, you know, if you're comparing it to the scream, you know, anybody who's listening to each of them, if you only like punk or, you know, post punk or, you know, anything that's like uh, off the mainstream, I could see how you would absolutely hate this one. Like some of my friends who I mentioned, <laughs> Tony and Ron, a lot in these podcasts, like they don't like anything. A Kiss in the Dream House is probably the last thing that they like. And even that one, I bet, is marginal. <laughs> so I I always think about them, too, when I'm, like, thinking about, like, where would they fall? Where do they fall on this and all? So, you know, they would say that uh, the Rapture is just disco garbage. <laughs> so <laughs> that is not how I feel. But it's I feel like it's, like, lackluster. And every song is kind of, like, the same tempo. And they kind of move the same. And they're... And they are, it is a dance, you know, it's at that point where they're doing music that would be considered like dance-ish, mm-hmm. you know, dance music. Um, yeah, I just don't find any, like, hook. There's not a song on it that I, that I felt like, well, at least there's this song, uh, which uh, my runner-up for this category has, at least there's this song. Um, <laughs> but my runner-up could have could have been in this category too <laughs> is, is your runner-up superstition yes it is <laughs> okay. yeah and the song the song is kiss them for me right right, right. <laughs> yeah. so at least it has that song yeah <laughs> but in terms of the both of those two albums i find them almost indistinguishable overall yeah it's from an odd period like it's the tail end of the banshee's discography so it's definitely they've their best work is behind them. But at the same time, I think kind of the thing that made the later material a little unique is that they chose to like try and do something very different. And it's funny thinking like in 1995, this sounds pretty 95, you know, like (laughs) it feels like of the time. And maybe that's the thing that kind of, I don't know, makes it feel different. You know, it's like, there is some dance elements to it. There are some more just kind of like art pop vibes to it. It, I, I, I liked listening to the Rapture. Listening to it, I was like, oh, this is. I was expecting a terrible record, considering it's oh, like. Yeah, the, it's not <laughs> terrible. I'm, I'm definitely not saying it's terrible at yeah. all, at all. But you know, some things got to be at the bottom. So, right. <laughs> you know, for me personally, the things that I like about music, what I'm drawn to that album has the least elements of the things that I enjoy when I listen to music. Yeah. I mean, you're not alone in the, uh, it is the lowest rated album. It is. Yeah. Yeah. I'm wondering like popularity wise to where this one goes. I think it's like one of the least rated as well. Yeah. It's definitely the least rated. Yeah. People just kind of like, just don't even pay attention to that. It exists. Is that what, (laughs) is that what you mean? That's what it feels like. Right, because like at least Superstition, I feel like it did have a a single that was a little bit more noticeable, and like it was it's tied to the Batman Returns soundtrack. So like that song, I think that's just the song I that's don't on. I think there. I remembered that. Is that the uh, the song Face to Face? It's not actually an album track. I think it's a bonus track. Okay. But uh, it, it's in Batman Returns in the movie. So I guess it's a non-album single that they put on the, uh, I guess the 
the remastered CD version. But um, I like that. Uh, that's not really great. It's as far as like rate, like reviews, like like critical reviews. It's not. It's not poorly reviewed. Mm-hmm. You know, it's you know like there's like seven out of ten, four out of five. I mean that's you know four out of five, four out of five. I mean that's those are good reviews. Yeah, yeah. I don't think there's a truly bad record that they've ever done. I don't. I don't think the general consensus even thinks that either. It's just, you know, comparatively. You rate everything on a curve, I guess, in an artist's discography. I guess because it is so late in their career and doing something that feels so of the time, that's why it doesn't really get, you know, listened to as much. But interestingly, though, if you look at the the number of plays on Last FM, The Rapture's got about 2,000 more plays than Superstition, which is funny. So it's just slightly well, more popular. Oh, wait, but there's I, also an extent, extended editions uh, that it, it messes up the counts. When I was looking at, like, you know, Susie ranked and I read a bunch of those, uh, uh, quite a few of them put Superstition lower than The Rapture. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, though Superstition, The Rapture, and Joan Hands in those things were generally the bottom three, yeah, inter, right. you know, intermingled. Yeah, interesting. Hmm. I have some, <laughs> I have some thoughts on that that we'll get later. Yeah. <laughs> Good. I think this is really fun. Yeah. Where we're going, where we're heading. Yeah. <laughs> well, the I think the overrated and the underrated are almost the most unique. Where we're going to get the most unique answers. So unless anyone has anything else they want to say about what they think is the worst, we can uh, move over. All right. I, I'm ready to be the first person to say something this time. All right. So <laughs> um, we'll go with the overrated. Yes. All right. Well, I, I really um I have waffled between two. So I am going to go with it's this one was tough for me. I have I I have two uh for sure, but I'm going to say peep show. Hmm. Is oh is for me the most overrated. What do you got, Dylan? I feel like with the overrated underrated categories, this is where I appeal to the most objective standards I can, and I'm gonna say that it's Juju well. as as being the like so well. We'll get into why. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh. Well, I guess I'm gonna throw my spicy take out there. I think the scream is the most overrated.
knew you were going to say that, actually. <laughs> so I guess I guess it uh, depends on our like kind of definition of what overrated means and what what makes Peep Show overrated to you. Well, so I I did like I said I did study the rankings of many different people's mm-hmm. opinions and and Peep Show was regularly in the top like probably almost always in the top five sometimes t- top three um, and and for me to me I wouldn't put it that high so that's kind of like how I made my decision about what other people think about it versus how I feel about it. I I do not think it's terrible. Again, there's no there's not a terrible album in here um in this list, but I I just made that ranking based on how it falls in like the general population's feelings about it. And for where I would put it, probably closer to the bot like closer to the bottom half. Definitely would not put it in the, in my top half for sure. So that's I mean, that's really the only reason, like, I kind of came up with that sort of formula. Mm-hmm. Um, it And also, I'm the other thing is, I'm not really sure why it's so well rated, because I don't think there's that many songs on it that are standouts. I mean, it has it has a hit, Peekaboo, um, which I don't really like that much. I don't know if it's because it's so overplayed for me on the on the place that i listen to music for since oh. it, since this album came out um you know I, I was listening to station in new york wlir they played this song all the time and then it became wdre um so this is like a very very overplayed song of Susie's on that kind of like new wave channel and on Sirius XM, which I have, First Wave, they play this song all the time, all the time, all the time. And I just think, like, of all the songs they could be playing, I mean, they play other Susie songs, too, but, like, why this one? Like, it's not, you know, it's kind of like a, almost like a jokey gimmick, kind of yeah. like, like a, what what's the word? Um, like a novelty song, almost? You know, with that, like, is that like an accordion? Not that accordion is bad. Accordion can be really cool. But, like, it's kind of like, huh, 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 huh. I don't know. It's like, ugh. Anyway, so to me, like, that song isn't that great, but it's on this album that's, like, very well acclaimed. And then everything else on the album is kind of, like, average to me. You know, I thought Peep Show was a really interesting record because I'm – I'm with you on Peekaboo as a single being like, it's a little too silly. Like it's, <laughs> it, it's not that good. It, it was definitely when I put, when I listened to this record going through their discography, I was like that song number one on this record. I'm like, Oh, here it is. Like, this is that, <laughs> this is that turning point in the Susie and the Manchies discography, um, like towards just like a full on pop band. But I, I, I understand the, impulse for people to rank this one higher because i do think there's stuff like carousel um rhapsody um a lot of the moodier darker stuff on this record is really affecting which yeah maybe plays into like how i was listening to it because it was definitely a late night coming home from work riding the train riding the bus um so that like was like the right setting to listen to it so i I just think that this one's such an uneven record overall and has not enough standout 
points, it is definitely weird to rank it really high. Yeah. Yeah. And if you look at like critical reviews, the critic ratings are very high, even higher than um, like on the rate my music one. Mm -hmm. You know, they're like four and a half out of five stars, five stars, four and a half. Very favorable, very favorable Four out of, you know, like it's I'm kind of I was kind of surprised, actually. Like I didn't realize how critically loved this album was until we started doing this. Yeah, I was surprised, too, to see it like ranked as high as it was, especially considering like from the time period when it came out. Um, I think one of the things that made it stand out, though, is it was weirdly like one of the most successful records in the United States for them. Um, Peekaboo went number one on the Billboard alternative charts, which I'm like, that's not feel like a number one <laughs> song. It does, like you said, like it does I feel... said it's played nonstop on yeah. the new wave channels. So. It's just funny to think of this as the one that like kind of broke through here into like more mainstream. It's it's funny. You don't think of like the ninth album in the an artist's career doing. Yeah, that. that's not you know that that's like. I found that, though, with, like, The Cure, you know, like, Friday I'm in Love was, like, their first yeah. big hit in the U.S., really. I mean, maybe they had some low bubbling unders, but that was, like, the first song that regular people knew. Right. You know, right. and, like, even, like, Depeche Mode, whenever, I, I'm always very surprised to find out that, like, Enjoy the Silence was, like, their biggest hit. I'm like, that song? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> that song's, like, okay. I love Depeche Mode, and that song's okay, but. Like, why that one? You know, like, what, what, U.S., what is with you? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I think Dylan's got, is it that spicy to say that the most well-regarded and uh, popular album is overrated? I guess not. Really. Yeah, I, I mean, think it's that spicy. I'm excited to hear what you have to yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. So what, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's my, you know, like I said, I, I, I looked for maybe the most objective qualifier, and this one is just, so so popular and it's so so highly rated and rightfully so so like i would say that it's only overrated in the sense that it, i don't think it's their absolute best um and it's like the one that everyone says is their best so i just think that it starts off really strong and like the a side is great and then i think that the b side really loses my attention a lot um so that's that's really what keeps it from being their best record. I mean, I would easily rank this in top three. This is probably mm. number two. So yeah. um, it's it's not a super controversial uh, take. I don't think I feel like it's it's a clerical <laughs> decision <laughs> to rank this as my most overrated. You know, I guess uh, that approach kind of applies to my selection as well. So. <clears throat> I went with the scream, which is I was really worried to say that that is the most overrated because it is kind of it's the classic LP. It's the one that is the first one. You know, it's the one that was part of the original punk, you know, explosion. Um, I'd say their singles are probably the thing in England that made them such a massive success. But um, it, it's it's well regarded. It's probably the most one of the most listened to. It's probably the, if you look at like the number of ratings, it's the second most listened to. If you look at look at oh, I'm on the wrong. I was looking at the last FM plays and it was like 
not that one. Um, it is the second most listened to record of all time behind Juju. Yeah, which makes sense because I have listened to The Scream and I had listened to Juju. Those are like the two yeah. that I was familiar with prior to doing this deep dive. So yeah. Well, so, the interesting thing I found sorry. with the Spotify though too is that it. it so Spotify has like a deluxe edition and like a regular edition, mm. but even the regular edition has two songs in that with that album that are not on that album that mm. are later yeah. ads. And one of them is like one of their biggest songs is Hong Kong Garden. So if that is being considered part of that album for listens, that will way skew the listens because that's. True. that's Totally. So this, this the album ended with it, it only had ten songs. Um, so I, I think that could potentially be like pushing this album into like a different stratosphere for like listenings. If that's if they're if they're, if they're doing those songs um, in all the other places that people listen to things online. Yeah. I, I think your hot take. I think it's. I don't think it's I don't think either of your hot takes are that hot take again, because like we're talking about the difference between we're not talking about where none of us are ever saying like this is garbage like right. these there's there's no garbage at all. That's that's another reason why I picked Susie and the Banshees. And I didn't really say that before because I didn't want to reveal that opinion. But. You know, I felt that from beginning to end, even if the the changes and how, you know, different the rapture is from the scream, you know, that you're still getting like quality music and you're still getting interesting music and you're still getting music that's like worth discussing and having a conversation about. And, you know, um, so that's that's why I don't think anything really is a hot take so much. Um, but like I said before, for me, the scream is like my second runner, like my runner up for like best. It, but, you know, it's got again on my tw- top 25. There's like five, six songs from that. So if you add that and Juju together, that's like almost that's more than half of my top 25. <laughs> so You know where my, my feelings lie. <laughs> I am. Um... One of the things, too, that I've always found, like, a little bit frustrating with the way people listen to, like, artist discographies is a lot of times people will just go, like, they'll go to the first thing. And it's like, that's the first thing, and that's the best mm-hmm. one. And it's like, I mean, they have a lot of other stuff. Maybe there's other stuff you like more. And you just, just because you haven't, like, dove into the other stuff as much that, uh, you know, maybe you would like it better. But, and then there is also, like, this, like, the first is the best is always like there's always that type of music fan. Um, maybe it's because it's just like the first thing that they got into, you know, whether you were you chose to go to the beginning of the discography and started there. And that's the first thing you heard. You liked it and you decided to continue the discography. Or if it was one of those things where you were around and like it's the first thing you ever heard by them. So, you know, of course, that's the one that means the most to you. So, like, yeah, it the first being the best is often something i'm like are you sure about that but but ultimately i still say it's like a top five record like it's probably one of the best records in their entire discography for sure i think ultimately just the i went with this and join hands as far as like the worst and overrated because i just don't find this era or this sound as intriguing myself like it is like an extension of the uk punk scene that was going on at the time it's a little darker sounding for sure 
I think they yeah, beat, I think they beat oh, Joy sorry. Division to us to like kind of this market of the yeah. UK punk scene. And I think even the like people who are like into like punk, like you know Ramones or Sex Pistols or whatever, like they don't they don't necessarily like any of this. Some people yeah. I know don't like any don't like anything by them right. because they just feel like they. I mean, I've heard a lot of people say like they're not punk. They shouldn't. You know, you should never say they're punk. Or, you know, it's like again, who cares about that? Like that's we don't care what we want to call it. But yeah. uh, but I mean, if you listen to some of the very earliest stuff, the stuff that didn't make it onto an album, the stuff that was on like demos and sessions that um, like I have this bootleg album that has this stuff from the Riverside sessions, you know, I mean, for, that's practically like for me, the best stuff. I mean, they're yeah. my favorite song is from my number one Susie and the Banshee song is from that time period. It's not on any album and it's not on any list. It just it gets added. To, it got added to the deluxe edition of the scream. Yeah. Um, which is makeup to break up. Mm. That's a that is a punk song for sure. I mean, even Hong Kong Garden, like their their first big hit, really. That feels very, you know, punk for the time period. Like it's yeah, definitely. And, and, yeah, yeah. And Love and Avoid. That's my other like top favorite song. Yeah. I mean, yeah. When you look at what they're doing musically, though, on the first two records, like mm-hmm. it's taking very rudimentary kind of like downbeat music. And it's definitely not like it's not fast. So I guess that's where the where people say, oh, it's not punk, but it has such a sneer to it. And mm-hmm. it has such a an abrasiveness. And I think that they were, you know, like Justin said, they kind of beat Joy Division to this sound. And like, you know, there's no there's no no wave yet. There's no mm-hmm. and I mean, industrial is kind of starting to happen, I guess, in this time period. But but they were definitely they were definitely a part of that scene. And they were definitely inspired by the that mentality of like we can do we could really do whatever we want, you know, musically. And yeah, I think the scream is a great record overall. Mm -hmm. I think that it's, I think it's really cool and it has some really great songs. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think it's silly to not consider it a punk record, but yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. Um, I think that's, that's really all I have to say about my picks. So do we want to move to the underrated? Sure. All right, who wants to go first on this one? I think we've all gone first at one point, so uh, it's a coin toss at this. Dylan, you go first. I'm going to say, again, using kind of that objective standard, I'm going to say that The Rapture is their most underrated. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with Peep Show being the most underrated. I really actually had a hard time with this one because yeah. I was like, you know, what does underrated mean? And like to me, to popular, you know, to what people um you know what other people think and i i actually kind of this one i was the most subjective i'm kind of chose what i thought was the most underrated to myself yeah. <laughs> which is so dumb i hope you it's okay that i did that <laughs> and i chose a kiss in the dream house
Yeah, interesting. For me, I thought you were going to say join hands. I mean, I thought about it. I I cycled it through this category, um, but it just didn't feel there's not. And I I like that album, um, but there's not enough. Yeah, there's just not enough. And like the Lord's Prayer, you know, like that kind of that really Mm -hmm. takes away from the things <laughs> I do like about the album. Yeah. So it's yeah, I, I just felt like that kind of it really couldn't belong on this in this yeah. category. That's I like your rationale for picking underrated here though. Like mm-hmm. it to say like what is a record that is not your first choice that you necessarily maybe wouldn't necessarily say is their worst. Like, that's mm-hmm. an interesting way to look at their discography. I think Hyena might be my the one that I'm just like, I didn't hate listening to it, but it doesn't stand out to me. And there's probably more there for me to dig into. But yeah, I went with I went with the Rapture just based on that. Like, it's their least popular and least liked record. <laughs> yeah, I went with Peep Show because. It represents the time period that is like least liked, but it's the one I liked the most out of those those mm-hmm. records, because this is the John Klein era of the band. Um, and so he's on Superstition and The Rapture, which I, I thoroughly enjoyed listening to those two records as well. Peep Show was the one that actually did stand out to me the most, though, where it was like, I really like this and I don't know that everyone else does. I was surprised to see that it was more well regarded, but it's to the point where it's like, this might be my second favorite Susie record <laughs> out of all of them, which I know is a weird choice, but yeah. Um, yeah, I like your, re- and I like your rationale for choosing one that's underrated for yourself. Like when you don't. Yeah. Cause like, I was like, okay, let me like, you know, when I'm like re-listening to everything, I was just thinking about like where do when I think about that album, you know, like what do I think about? Like where do I drop it? You know, like you know, I clearly have like a you know early stuff I I'm prefer later stuff. I just like that's not the right word. I like less, mm-hmm. um, and that's like pretty much like middle middle of the road, co- close to the center. I mean, it's I guess it's number five. Um, so yeah, earlier than the center, but pretty close. And I guess, yeah, I don't, even though I had that poster in my college dorm room, <laughs> I kind of forget about it. And then I, you know, I was like looking at my top 25, there are two songs from it on my top 25, um, two songs that I think that I like, uh, really adore, which are green fingers and slow dive, um, and then, you know, listening to the whole entire album, like we discussed earlier, it's it's just a really like beautiful flow. It it works on, you know, in like this a span of like you gotta listen to this album at, all at once. It's it's really hard to pull out anything. Um, and then how it like you know slow dive. Like as soon as I hear it, the minute it starts, like I just it puts me back to like my college years and like even though that song isn't like doesn't seem like a great danceable song we used to dance to it at the clubs and like i just remember like i don't know the way we would dance to it and we'd be like you know one can see what i'm doing right now except for you guys but like just this kind of like i don't know 
I don't know. It just it it made like everybody really excited when we would hear that song and it gives me the all the feels as the kids say. Um so yeah, so it's just a personal underrated cuz it's it's pretty well regarded by by people but however, like when people talk about like Susie albums, I don't you don't really hear that one discussed that much. You're you're hearing what we, you know the the juju and the scream kaleidoscope. You're hearing peep show tinderbox, which t- tinderbox never came up at all in any conversation. Yeah, I, um, at the very end, I wanted to kind of like get like yeah. a quick little take on the other yeah. stuff, so we can do that I'd too. Love but. To, yeah, and yeah, I want to I want to hear um a few other things that you think about other yeah. stuff, but yeah. um so that's that's really why I came to that that place for me. Um, for me, choosing Peep Show was literally, <laughs> so I was doing this thing for uh, a while where I was going through all the Billboard alternative rock charts, which later became like the modern rock charts. And then like, I don't know what it's called. I think it's called modern rock charts now. Um, I don't remember what it was. It, was, it had a different name even early, early on, but I was very, I, I was going through like every week, the Billboard alternative rock chart and like listening to the new entries that week. And like all the stuff that as it was coming into the charts and watching it like rise and fall. And Peep Show was like on one of the early ones I looked at. Or Peekaboo was on one of the early ones I looked at. And I was like, what is this? So I pulled up the video and I was like, when you said it was kind of a novelty song, that was my thinking too. I was like, what is this song? (laughs) How is it number one? But then it also kind of turned into an earworm or that little Uh... like that beat that like whatever that is like i don't even know exactly what that like fluty kind of i don't know what that is it's like a very high the high note in like the i guess it could be a flute maybe but it's like the lead main like kind of like melody i guess at the the back i don't know it's strange and then it has like that punchy kind of like rhythm to it with the way she sings peekaboo and then like it has like a march almost (laughs) and then it's a strange song. Like it feels like circus music almost. <laughs> in That's places. exactly what I was gonna say. It's definitely got a circus feel for sure. And like I'm hearing it in my like it's one of those songs that like it just like I immediately hear it whenever I think of this record. But then like going through the whole album, I was like, I like all of these songs. Like I, re- the Killing Jar is really really good. Uh, I thought Scarecrow was really good. It has this weird like galloping guitar part to it that kind of makes me think of like the the John Magooch era of the band. Um, Burn Up has this weird like hoedown vibe to it. Like it's definitely outside of their <laughs> typical wheelhouse of stuff. But they did so many different things on this record that I was just like, this is. I just had fun listening to it. I I probably out of all the records, it was the most like joy i felt listening to the records while maybe i considered juju the best this one was like i just have more fun listening to this out of the rest of the discography my initial choice for for underrated was probably going to be superstition um just because when i got to that record in their discography i was like whoa this is super fun like super fun and catchy and like you know, when you consider that, like, they also have, like, amazing stuff that is not fun or, <laughs> or upbeat <laughs> or catchy. That's just, like, really amazing, you know, amazing songs and amazing, like, works of art and, like, 
production. Like I can definitely see why, you know, the later period of their career is, is dismissed by more hardcore purist fans. Um, that being said, like, I really do think that superstition and the rapture deserve some level of reappraisal. I, I think, um, I, I was thinking about it in comparison to like how the cures big hits were like early nineties songs. Like mm-hmm. Friday is, is from what? 92. I, I wish. Like. Uh, yeah. 92 like, or not. Yeah. 93. Maybe. 93. Um, and, and, and that was, that was kind of the framework. I was thinking like people, people have, I feel like a greater appreciation for the later pop periods of, bands like the cure or depeche mode or you know any any of those other like bands that maybe came from post-punk that had big hits in the early 90s and they don't have that appreciation for Susie and the band she's doing very much the same thing um you know maybe a little bit i think that these records are definitely a, a little more dance oriented and that can be a barrier too um but I would I would even put them up there with like some of the alternative dance stuff that New Order was doing around the same time period. Like I think it's fun and engaging. Um, but I ended up going with the Rapture for this choice, like I said, because it's like it's the absolute least popular and least liked record. And when I was listening to it, I was like, all right, this is definitely more of the same of the of superstition. But like the first four tracks, I'm like, hell yeah. That's great. <laughs> That's so catchy. Like, I want to dance listening to this. So, I, I think that I think that these are both maybe unfairly underrated. But the yeah, rapture, just, especially, and the rapture, I think, is such a solid ending to their career too, where it's just like they put out a good record. And I think that these records benefit from from their experience as musicians, like how they've grown musically, how how Susie has grown as a singer. Um, you know, I think peep show is a little disjointed of a record, but they definitely figured out how to work with John Klein more. I feel like on the next two records. So like you have that arc of their growth with this lineup. And I mean, you know, the added benefit of budgie having been, been there since 79. So like they're, they're pretty solid by the end of their, their career. Um, we, we can't forget Martin McGarrick too. He was like the key player who joined around mm-hmm. Peep Show and stayed through the rest of the lineup. So like his elements, he may be the like the first solely like that's his job in the band. I think the rest of the records, it's all like just somebody else also did the keys and stuff. I think mm. let me look at the lineups because I can do that. There's like a chart that has like all the members and a correlating to their albums and. Yeah, so like Steven Severin did a lot of the keys, John Magoosh did a lot of the keys, Robert Smith. It's not until you get to Martin McGarrick where they have a dedicated keys and strings person. So that's probably why these three records also feel the way they do. Even though Peep Show feels the most different of the three, um, it's when you're introducing a lot more of this kind of electronic aspects, even though keys were always there. But he's an unsung member of the band at this point with John Klein as well. But yeah, I think superstition two has a little bit of that, like world music 
vibe that was going on in like the early 90s like there was a lot of that like it was like world with like a beat like electronic dance beat to it that was really big i don't know what was going on in the 90s <laughs> yeah maybe yeah, like an india influence fondly, honestly <laughs> <laughs> no no and i mean like at the my feelings about these later albums have have shifted over time early when they you know the I've kind of like ebbed and flowed about them. And when the rapture came out, I was, I absolutely was just like, whatever, you know? And like now, like listening back to it, I'm like, oh, this isn't, well, you know, why did I like totally dismiss it? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, it, yeah, I was like, oh, this is, this isn't as good as, you know, whatever, you know? And then it's like, okay, it's still good. It's just different. And like, yeah. I, when you grow up, you can accept that. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I definitely recognize that I'm coming from the perspective of someone who was not hearing their records when they were first released. You know, I was five when their last record came out. So <laughs> I'm I'm completely looking at their, their discography retrospectively, like, and I'm I'm analyzing, like, their influence and impact on music. Um yeah. So I, I just I think there's a lot I think there's a lot to enjoy in their discography outside of the um like the cornerstone records, like the mm-hmm. big big ones that everyone knows. Like I feel like there's so much there's a lot on every single record. I mean, even like this is maybe a good turning point to get into talking yeah. about the rest of the records that we haven't talked about. Through the looking glass, the covers record is like yeah, I wanted to cool. talk about that. <laughs> like the songs that they chose are unusual. Um, the production that they did and the way that they arranged some of these songs is just really thoughtful and engaging. You know, Through the Looking Glass is one that I was strongly considering for overrated, though. For some reason, it's like one of the most popular mm-hmm. albums in their discography. I think it's just because people love covers. And so, like, people found their, like, particular covers they liked from the record and just probably played those a lot. Like, I'd say The Passenger is probably the one I was already familiar with before, you know, her cover of their cover of The Passenger was the one that I was like, I know that one outside of the context of this record. Mm -hmm. And then I guess Strange Fruit is, like, um, the other big one. Yeah, Passenger is the one that's played to death on the first wave. Yeah. XM channel. Um, I I actually have never, I I actually have never really liked that their version. Um, I don't know that I really care that much for that song in general. Like even the like original version. Like again, like why this song? You know, there's so <laughs> many. Like Iggy Pop has so many great songs. Like why did why is that song like so often played? And then why the Susie version played even more than it, the original yeah. version? Yeah, it's just. It's not that great. There's bet way better songs on this um, covers album. I, I actually really like their version of this wheels on fire. I think it's fantastic and yeah, really different. And, you know, it's, it's, this is one of those things where I, 
probably didn't know the original <laughs> when I heard, when I first heard it. You know, this is again like me not knowing like that era of stuff uh, at first, and getting introduced to that song by Susie instead of knowing that it's like a band song. Um, but I love it. I think that that version is really great, and I, I think there's good stuff on this album. It, it's 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 not their best. It's not their worst. Um, but yeah, the passenger for me is just like, oh, enough already. I'm sick of hearing it. <laughs> the yeah, selections I, that they I made really for like them, they right? did um how they did that John Cale song too. Um Gun. Gun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which is like who covers a John Cale song? Like it's so <laughs> right, like not a right. Velvet Underground song, a solo John Cale. <laughs> right, right. The choices, you know, the stuff that they chose to put on it is like really interesting the the jungle book song trust in me the song that's ka the snake sings <laughs> original artist ka yeah <laughs> sterling holloway it's funny i listened to it and i would and i don't think i realized it was a covers album until i like because i'm not familiar with most of these original songs um i didn't realize it was a cover album i was just like this record's weird it's like they're all over the place doing different styles. And I'm like, yeah, it's because it's like all these different artists that they were covering. Um, yeah, I was surprised to see that one had is it's like the second most listened on. It's because of the passenger. Yeah, yeah. It's the passenger. I think that the their most... version of the passenger is is really the reason that that song is so well regarded in Iggy Pop's discography. Yeah, I think. Because I don't think that the passenger, I'd have to look at the, see if I can find. I mean, the passenger has yeah. 250 million plays and the Susie version has 28 million plays. So I don't think that's necessarily causing it, the Iggy Pop version to go up that much more. It was a B-side. See, that's the thing is the passenger was a B-side to success from Lust for Life. So it wasn't even a lead single from that record. Um, it's on. No, it's on. Yeah, it's on Lust for Life, the record. Yeah. Are you saying it was the B-side single? But it's the B-side to the single from that record. Oh, gotcha. Right. Like, which even that record, like Lust for Life as a song, is more popular than than success. <laughs> yeah, um, it, it definitely brought some interest to it. And and then um, there's their other very popular cover, Dear Prudence, which is on Hyena. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Also, like for me personally, is to me it's like <laughs> I'm sick of hearing it. They play that one to death too, and I I feel like if I haven't heard it so much, maybe I wouldn't feel this way. But it, it's like why like Susie and the Banshees have so many great songs. Why are these two cover songs the ones that are constant in constant rotation when they could be like like Hyena has like you know other songs on it that they could be playing that are better. You know, that was like Hyena. The first record I ever got of theirs was um, the singles Once Upon a Time. That was the first thing I owned of theirs. And that was a really great introduction and a great place to start with them. So I'm really happy that that was my first thing. But I think the second thing I ever owned was Hyena on cassette. 
Um, and I listened to that like throughout uh, my first year of college, like like all the time. And yet it didn't it didn't come up in any conversation, really. It's again, I think it falls into this sort of middle ground. It's not terrible. Mm-hmm. It's not great. It's, you know, some of the song like some of the songs are kind of like plodding along. But but again, it's not bad. You know, you you would throw that on before you threw on like you know, like the number of other people's albums. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That one was a surprise to me. Cause I was actually early on, like I was working my way chronologically through the discography. And when I got to hyena, I was like, this might be one to think about for underrated, uh, just because it's such a neat, like it's Susie and the Banshees with Robert Smith, which is just like a, it's weird that that even happened really. Cause the cure was like a thing already at this point. Yeah. Oh, I want to say, though, that the the U.S. version of Hyena is what has Dear Prudence on it. So that's oh, what yeah. I had. Um, it's not on the, the U.K. version. Yeah. Um, yeah, it happens a lot on these. <laughs> these uh, reissues in the States get like an extra track and then like it kind of gets known for being on the record, even though it's not truly from there. But yeah. Yeah. Um, what else have we not really mentioned? Kaleidoscope? Um it's good. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. It's in that little middle period where it's like it's one of the good ones, but it's not like the best. The Lightoscope for me is probably at number three. Yeah. 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 I would say number three. Um, yeah. Didn't. I would definitely put it in my top five. Sure. It's I like what it does. I like what it does with their earlier sound. Like as far as the stuff, there is a lot of stuff on here that sounds like the first two records, um, but just a little bit better. I think it's a really good one overall. Well, I guess like the the true outlier that we've not mentioned at all is uh, Tinderbox. Yeah, Tinderbox was my runner up for overrated. It's like the second highest rated album. I was surprised to see that, too. I was like, that one? I mean, it's good, but it's that good. It it, it was strange to see that. (laughs) Is it because of Cities Circles and Dust? dust? Cities and Dust. Cities yeah, and Dust? Is, yeah. I think the sole reason that it's rated as highly <laughs> I think it's a good record. But Cities and Dust is like an all-time single for them. But yeah, I think it's really just that song. And yeah, then people are attracted to it because of that song, and then they like spend some time with it, maybe, and they like yeah. find something that they really love about everything else. But Yeah, that was another like club dance song and that when that one started you know and again that's that opening moment of it like you know if you were like at the bathroom or at the bar you were you just stopped what you were doing and ran out to the floor it's like a chime sort of thing right like yeah like bells or yeah less i feel like it's been sampled too i feel like i've heard just that that bell sound in other songs too yeah that i that was actually my the last of my 25 my top 25 um yeah. i i i just more nostalgia i think than than that i think it's a one of the best 25 i just make you know it made me feel like oh yeah but i like that time in my life i guess the uh the john valentine carruthers era of the band is probably the <laughs> my least favorite era of the band but i like tinderbox a lot it's good um yeah i interesting that that's so well regarded but um you you mentioned like some singles compilations and things like that that you wanted to talk about 
Yeah, I want, well, I want to really point out if you have not found a place to listen to all of the Peel sessions, there was a collection put out, like a physical release called Voices on the Air. Um, because I don't think Spotify has, I don't know that Spotify has everything. Um, mm-hmm. And if they do, they're like disconnected from each other. So try to find a way to listen to every everything. That That collection is. I mean, that is like their best album, <laughs> like pr- practically like though. The and the way it sounds recorded live on the air at the Peel sessions is really like it's like a, it's a little more sparse and it's like economy of sa- of time and of, you know, what they have to work with there. I, I, I think it's extremely worth uh digging into and listening hearing the songs and several of those songs there are singles that aren't on any albums um but one specific one that i really love that's on the peel sessions is a a creature song that Susie and the banshees sometimes did called but not them and it's so good and you know we haven't talked about like the offshoots you know like the creatures um so that song, but not them, by the in the Peel sessions, it's it's so sparse and it's haunting. It's it's just great. It's just really really great. And that has Love and Avoid, and it has Hong Kong Garden, and, and you know a a, lo- a bunch of other ones that you you don't really like here. And then like Once Upon a Time was a was a great um, start for me with singles also. Yeah, I was looking too. I did sample a little bit of the creatures, not a lot just because, you know, we had a lot of other records to talk about. But listening to it, I was like, yeah, this is very much a drummer's side project. <laughs> it's very, yeah, like, yeah. Drum yeah. But Not Them is like, it's just the, dr- you know, that drumming in that song is that's a big part of what makes it cool. Yeah. And there's The Glove, which was like Steve Severin and uh, Robert Smith's little side project. Right. I didn't listen to that one to see what that was you know, about. I never- I never really like paid that much attention to the glove. I don't remember. I probably only knew like a song or two and I, I kind of always like forgot about it. <laughs> so that maybe we'll, that's just fun homework. We should just all listen to <laughs> the glove and, and see what we think about that. Yeah. <laughs> just to see. Um, but, but the creatures had a hit on the station I listened to called right now. That was like regularly played. And Susie has a solo record. I didn't listen to that one. Do we know what it is? Came out 2007, Manta Ray. Yeah, maybe we should, again, like just as a fun thing, just as friends on a sidebar, we should listen to that um, and talk about it, like, you know, in a messaging thing. (laughs) That's like the the very last thing she's done, right? There's nothing else newer. Well, no, there's some songs. She did, did, I think, a song with Marcy. Yeah, that was in 94. Okay. When I pulled up, um, there's something called About to Happen, which is a single in 2008, but it's a radio edit. Okay, so it's probably an album single. Um, and then there's something called Love Crime in 2015, which is also trip hop. And <laughs> did a remix? I have not heard any of that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what this that is. It's like a one off single that she did. I don't Maybe. Strange. Huh. A moose bouche version is what the artwork says. So I don't know what that song is, but interesting though that she kinda he's kinda like, you know, laid back as since 
they broke they up. Play right. Um, they reunited mm-hmm. in 2002, and I think that's it. Like, there's not been. Yeah, I don't think. I was thinking that maybe they had done some, maybe some reunion tour. I stuff. think she has played, but I don't. I don't think the band has done anything together. Yeah, because uh, her and Budgie got divorced in like 2007. Um, so who knows if like they even want to be around each other at all. Um, <laughs> Steven Severin, I don't, I don't know. Uh, you know, since he was the original, you'd think that they probably would have a decent relationship. But yeah, I don't know. I guess because Budgie was part of the band for so long that like they yeah. do anything without him would be odd too. Yeah, it says that in 2013 she played a solo show, two nights of show, solo shows, um, and did the Kaleidoscope album in its entirety. Oh wow! Um, but it says she like her, so I don't know who the backing musicians were with her. Yeah, yeah. Bands in Town has a 2015 in Santiago, Chile show <laughs> listed for Susie and the Banshees and. A show in Detroit. I'm assuming that these are not Susie and the Banshees and probably are like mistakes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or uh, maybe just her. I did find uh, that that song Love Crime was a it's her first song in eight years and was used in the finale to the TV series Hannibal. <laughs> huh. uh, Interesting. She um, has officially sadly, relaunched her website as of 2021. I saw that. Sadly, I never saw them. Yeah, they're stupid me. <laughs> I, I, you I remember them coming was... through? Yeah, yeah. I have, would have had opportunities to see them, and I think the last opportunity they were on t- it was like a weird tour with like Public Enemy. <laughs> what? <laughs> weird. Um, yeah, it was like there were like I think three or four bands, and it was like a weird. I'm, maybe I'm getting it mixed up, but. It was definitely something weird like that. Um, but yeah, no, I don't know why. I'm just dumb. I just didn't. It just didn't happen. Sisters of Mercy did did the tour. Sisters of Mercy. Candy. You're right. You're right. I was just going to say, I think maybe I'm getting the the bands mixed up. Sisters <laughs> of Mercy. Who but, I love Sisters of Mercy. But yeah, Sisters of Mercy with Public Enemy plus Gang of Four plus Warrior Soul. <laughs> It's a weird lineup. Yeah, that's right. a strange lineup. I forgot about that. Yeah, and uh, I didn't go to that um, that <laughs> that tour. Um, it was like ni- maybe ninety one. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why. I would have enjoyed that. I should have gone to that. <laughs> you were mad about superstition. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like did Susie and the Banshees play Lollapalooza? Uh, I think so. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, one of the last few there. things they did. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, maybe she's she's prepping for a comeback. I feel like. Yeah, if she's brought her website back. I'd be curious. I mean, she wrote a new song in 2015. You know, there's a good chance maybe she'll try something new. I'd I'd welcome new material from her. Well, we have to listen to her solo album and see what. It's it true. What if we're like, oh no, don't come back. <laughs> 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 I can't imagine it's bad. I mean, you never know. I guess it just depends on who played on that record, but yeah, I mean, they definitely have they have a lot of merch. I think that's the merch store is probably the main reason that they relaunched. But <laughs> like Husker Du, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Husker Du starting a web store and everyone's like, oh no, they're gonna play. 
And that was yeah. definitely not going to happen. <laughs> oh, it's not going to happen. Well, I think this is a good spot to wrap up with. Uh, thank you so much for doing this with us. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, this was really fun. And I, I feel like we didn't, uh, there wasn't any like moment where either any of us were like, oh no, how could you? <laughs> you know, like, like I said, you know, we, it's, you know, Susie, it's, it's all good feelings about yeah. being the Banshees uh, overall. Um, some of the other recommendations that we, like the other two people we spoke to about it, um and pitched the idea too like their band selections were like not as varied like they don't have as many albums as Susie and the Banshees and even like within those albums they don't have as many like major changes and differences in their sounds and styles so this one was really exciting because of like there's so many different like avenues to go down musically so yeah that's why I really I thought a lot about what you know the decision for this and it just felt like the best possible choice yeah yeah because like you know the ramones are one of your all-time favorites or your your actual all-time favorite and there's a lot of similarity in the discography i could i feel like i could talk about it but it would be hard to be like what's underrated with them you know what's overrated with them but as much as i love them i mean to me that wouldn't have made for a very exciting conversation (laughs) (laughs) but yeah um Tell everybody where to get machine shop stuff online. Uh, the machine shop rocks.com and follow me on Instagram at the machine shop rocks.com and Facebook at the machine shop rocks.com. Um, Instagram. I do a lot of fun stuff that's unrelated to me selling stuff just to, so you can just kind of follow and see the fun things I do there. Um, and um, I'm on Twitter, but I never use it, but it's at the machine shop, which gets very confused with the machine shop rock place in Detroit. And I constantly get tagged by accident by like people like kid rock, which is awful. (laughs) But um, yeah, so just don't worry about Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Instagram. Definitely for the social media fun. Well, awesome. And uh, cool. Well, thank you so much again for doing the show. Um, We love having you on. And now I'm like, what do we do next? That's the- <laughs> I know. I was thinking, okay, if we do this deep dive again, I'm going to start thinking. I'm going to start yeah. thinking. That would be fun to do another one. 